Oscar Poker. give up on I thought I was gonna try to have to talk to you through my cell phone or something because I tried uh, calling you uh, repeatedly and it shut off immediately and, I, and this is after I saw that you were actually on Skype so um, it was just telling me that I can't you know reach you and I think it's because it's exceedingly weak uh, signal uh, here it's very very faint I have to constantly save copy uh and hold it in a, in, a, in a you know another format when i'm saving things i lose things all the time it's been pretty rough oh, but shame. i'm uh, glad well how do i um sound at this stage you sound great um i'm worried that i don't sound can you hear me okay clearly oh yeah totally yeah. okay yeah i was worried that i i didn't have my settings right because i had moved our our microphone set up to, to go down to the farmer's market when we met Okay. And then I had to just replug everything in, so I hope it's it sounds yeah. as good as it usually does. Um, yeah. But you sound great. You sound really good. Okay, fine. So I just saw the surrogate, which is going to be a uh, a, um, a big uh, uh, thing for John Hawks come Oscar time next year. Mm-hmm. Or rather, this year, uh, you know, but next fall, I think. I mean, it's, it's definitely one of those things that uh, is going to uh, <clears throat> be thought of. Uh, it may be uh, drop may drop down a little bit to kind of spirit awards category possibly, but maybe not. You know, it's um, it's just one of those performances you remember. It's like the diving bell and the butterfly performance. It's about you know, it's a guy who's immobile mm-hmm. and uh, and yet very sympathetic and very uh, witty and literate and uh, likable and humble and wise and all those other things. So, and it's a lead role for John Hawks. Yes. Oh, great. I uh, can't wait to see that. Although, as we just... Jeff's calling... By the way, we're talking to Jeff in Sundance. In case you listeners don't know, that's where he is right now. He's at the Sundance Film Festival. He's so lucky he gets to be there <laughs> instead of here. Um, it's really lovely here. It's it's great to do this, but I'll tell you, it's hard to... You know, you have to be really on the clock. You have to be military about it. Hmm. And um, we got to do this uh, uh, with some haste. Well, no, let, let's put it this way. i got to be done with this thing no later than say 45 minutes hence uh all all said and done because i have to uh do two more things i have to try and get a quick little teeny review of the of the surrogate and then get over to a 1 p.m screening which is followed by a 3 30 a 3 p.m screening which is followed by a 5 p.m which oh is followed by God. a 30 screening there's four films <laughs> you know, within the next uh, eight hours so 
Well, I tell you something. Um, I think we learned an important lesson today with with uh, the yeah. Academy's very, very piss poor um, nominations for Best Picture. I think <clears> that um, I'm not going to go on too much about it because I've already gone on and on on Twitter. But I, yeah. I mean the negative stuff. I just mean that uh, it's so hard to get one's mind around even having hope. Like if I, I think of myself at Telluride and it can. And I think mm-hmm. about the movies I'm going to see, and I just think about doors shutting in my mind. Doors shutting, not opening. I don't think, oh, wow, that movie's going to do really well with Oscar, because now I know it won't. So <laughs> it's just really frustrating to... You've been, re- been reminded that, once again, that however uh, lifted off the ground you and your uh, film-loving colleagues at this or that festival might be, it's crashing down to ground-level reality when it comes to the Oscar nominations. And people who for lack of a more uh, of a polite or, or blunt phrase, just don't seem to have the sensitivity, um, the the passion for what's really good and fresh and, 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 and transcendent. And they're just, you know, kind of default thinkers with not much uh, thought put into it. And I don't know what else to say, but it's, um, it's, it's pretty, uh, you know, pretty, pretty dreary, dreary choices. Uh, pretty dreary. I, I, it's, you know, it's funny because I think I suspect two things went on. One, I think that there was strategic voting happening because they knew the way the voting process was going to go. I think that a lot of friendships probably played out, loyalties, and I think that they really did try to manipulate the system. And I think that it... it saying acts, the average voter tried to manipulate the system. I think that somebody like Steven Spielberg, for instance, has a huge reach in the Academy, and I think that they knew how voting was going to go this time. And they knew that the film had to have a certain number of number one votes. And I think that a lot of um, publicists and and studios knew that going in. And I think a lot of cajoling and talking uh, to to members was was going on. And this is what I suspect happened. I don't really see how passionate support could get you that many number one votes for some of these movies that got in. However, um, I also think that if that is the case, that this is genuinely how Academy voters think, just give them the benefit of the doubt and say, no, it was totally non-corrupted and they didn't, they weren't under anybody's guidelines on how to vote and they just did their own thing and they really voted for what they liked. Well, this is too intimate a look into their psych- collective psyche. We now know way too much about them. And we didn't yeah. really need to know this much. You know, with five nominees, they can kind of hide their true preferences. They don't... Mm-hmm. They, you, there's always room for doubt. Like you always think, oh, well, maybe uh, being John Malkovich would have made it in. Maybe Almost Famous would have made it in. Maybe Dark Knight would have made it in. But now we yeah. know for a certainty that, no, that's not true. That's not how it works. Because there were all these movies on the edge that would have gotten in, like uh, Dragon Tattoo, Drive, and Tinker Tailor would have maybe pushed through um, if the Oscars worked that way. But clearly they don't because... <laughs> Now we're seeing that it is about um, what they passionately like, and what they passionately yeah. like is kind of, you know, bad films, pretty much. And that's well, films that like that basically reinforce the way they want to feel about things, that kind of thing, right? I mean, that's I it's really about reinforcing what you want and what you feel you need emotionally, you would mm-hmm. like to have in your life emotionally, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. I guess so. Well, let's talk about the good. So the good is Demi and Bashir getting a Best Actor nomination, which yeah. is really now, wonderful. That was just astonishing. Now, I, I mean, it wasn't astonishing because we saw it very heavily indicated in the SAG uh, nominations, but I just was delighted that that happened. Um, 
Me too. And the thing is, is I think the Oscars at their best, what they represent is the chance for somebody like him to have a total career-changing moment. You know, they obviously are pretty much worthless in every other respect, but they can make or break a career. Sure. And in his case, this is going to make his career. It'll be the best thing that ever happened to Demi and Bashir that he got nominated for this. You know? So yeah. That's something to celebrate. A it lot. basically puts him on a whole other level, and he's... Um, he's like assured of, of, uh, of good roles and good options for roles, at least for the next, you know, five, six, seven years, which if he chooses, right, will get him something really good. And, you know, it, it changes the whole thing. So yeah, it's good great for him. And, and, um, great for Rooney Mara, I thought for Dragon Tattoo, that definitely showed that the actors did support the film and that, you know, a very, a lot of branches actually did. The only ones that really didn't were the directors and the, um, and then the the whole body of the best for the best picture, it probably didn't get enough number one votes is what it needed. Well, if you if you don't mind my saying this, I'm trying to think of another online columnist conversation starter who was as ardent as you have been about uh, Dragon Tattoo and particularly Rooney uh, Mara. Can you think of anybody else who was like saying, you know, the because the whole thing on Dragon Tattoo, as we all know, turned around. The initial thing was that it's not an Oscar film. They don't want it. Right. Let's just let it go. In fact, it might not even make any money. And then it started to make money. Mm-hmm. Then it started to show up in the in the guild noms and the, and then yes. Fincher and everything. And, and now here she is. So everything changed. So. Well, everything changed. But if and if Oscar ballots had been due later, it would have been in because people would have seen it as a success. When when yeah. ballots were being turned in, it wasn't seen as a success at that moment, which right. was why it was strange that it showed up in the guilds the way it did. Like, it still got five Oscar nominations, which is pretty yeah. amazing considering nobody thought it was going to do anything. Right. And um, by the time the Oscar ballots were being turned in was right around the same time that the DGA nominations were announced. Right. And there wasn't enough time to really fix your ballot by that point. And so... David Fincher getting in there was the most unexpected thing I think that happened all year in the race. I didn't see it coming at all. And so I think if, if the Oscar ballots were to be turned in, let's say right now, I think Dragon Tattoo would have a really good chance because they see, oh, it's heading toward $100 million. He's got the DGA nom. But everything sort of happens all at once now. The voting, everything takes place all at once. It's this total crunch time. And there isn't a lot of time for... Um, for ruminating on on what films are successful for the year and what movies define the year, it's just sort of like, okay, you got to vote right now, PGA, DGA, everything. Like it all happens all at once. Right. So, can I ask you to just take a shoot from the hip question? Do you think there's any merit at all to the uh, theory uh, initially advanced by David Poland a long time ago that Michael Fassbender's large member? might uh, not do so well as far as the male members. There would be penis envy. They'll vote against him. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think so because the actors branch nominates the actors, and let's face it, most of them are gay. And <laughs> um, I mean, a lot of them are. I mean, if you're talking about the whole Academy, <clears throat> yeah, maybe I'd agree. But since it's only 12, 1,200 um, actors, I think that... I think that um, Probably the NC-17 heard it a little bit. But I also think they just wanted to do Damien Bashir. They wanted to honor him. You know, he's like an underdog. He's a Latino. You know, it's so rare for anybody of color to be nominated for an Oscar, you know. So uh, so somebody had to get nudged. Not that they didn't like Michael Fassbender, but right. he had to get nudged into the, you know, the six or the seven category or whatever. So yeah, I mean, people shouldn't be questioning... Bashir, which is unfair. They should be questioning people who really don't have any business being in the best actor race, and they're just pretty much playing themselves, you know? Yeah. That, to me, is more of a... um, 
I don't know. I mean, I'm happy Gary Oldman's in there. I don't have any problem with the best actor race. I, I didn't really, I mean, I was hoping Michael Fassbender would get in, but shame yeah. if, if dragon tattoo is too rough for them, you know, shame is certainly going to be too much. Like they just can't handle the sex stuff, you know? I think it's also, there's a, a film that is um, clinical and very chilly and cold. Right. It yeah. is always going to have a you know a certain resistance. If people like uh, something that breathes a little humanity, a little a little compassion, right. and that movie right. uh, to its artistic uh, distinction, and you could even say credit, uh, just doesn't go there. And mm-hmm. I think that there's going to be a certain percentage of people that just don't want to. Um, uh, you know, invest any support or, right. or love for, for a film like that. So. Well, it's taken, the Academy has taken a dive, I think, this year, like in the worst way I could imagine, which is that they don't seem to be willing to embrace any sort of visionary work. The closest yeah. you come is uh, Terrence Malick and Tree of Life. And I have to say, even though I really wish Dragon Tattoo had gotten in, I'm so happy to see that they, A, nominated a movie that has no plot at all. And yeah. he honored Terrence Malick, who's such a vet. I think it's just fantastic that they did that. I think they have to be given credit for that, you know, that Tree of Life got in. I think it's wonderful. And Ann Thompson was right. We have to give her props. You know, she never wavered on Tree of Life, never. And everybody else did. She was always, she was king speeching it all the way. <laughs> she was like, nope, it's got to get in. Nope, it's got to get in. Nope, number one yeah. votes. It's got to get in. You know, so how do you figure the whole thing with Max von Sydow, if we could just switch uh, suddenly, uh, the pre, uh, pre-screening uh, buzz with Max von Sydow is a slam dunker. He, right. Because he's so empathetic because he doesn't say anything and he's the man with no words and he has yes and no in his hands. And then people saw the film and the film and the estimation of the whole thing went down. And it's not that people said that Max von Sydow was... Uh, you know, not very good. He was pretty good. He, you know, he was asked to play a, a mute man of uh, some age with a lot of baggage and yes. a lot of stuff buried. And he did a pretty good job of it. I didn't have any issue. But nobody that I heard from, read about anything, nobody went to the bat and said, you know, I, I got to say, this this performance truly moved me. And where did this come from? Where did he get a nomination? I just, I'm not trying to put him down, you understand? Well, I understand. I'll tell you, about Extremely Loud was, you know, the publicist kept telling me, watch out for Extremely Loud. And I just kept thinking, oh, God, it's not going to get known. And she kept saying, it's going to get, you know, watch out for it. It's going to get, and there was some insider information that I'm sure Scott Feinberg found out about before he, he predicted it. I think that what people in our business tend to do, unfortunately, is we sort of listen to each other more so than we pay attention to the stuff that makes our skin crawl that we don't want to pay attention to, which is they think this way. They're never going to go for this. All the stuff yeah. that when I bring it up, you wince, right? Yeah, sure. That stuff makes you a good Oscar predictor. It doesn't necessarily make you a good Oscar influencer, which is what I think you'd rather be and I'd certainly rather be. Yeah. Um, being a good predictor to me is sort of like being a good gambler or being a good weatherman. Yeah. It's sort of like, yeah. okay, fine, but you're still a weatherman. <laughs> you're not anything right. more than that. So what? So you predicted what a bunch of, you know, uh, overprivileged, you know, aging industry men thought of a, <laughs> of a film, right? This is funny. The way, this is what Mark Harris and Grantland said. He says, there's not a person in the business, including, I suspect, its own filmmakers, who saw the Best Picture nomination for Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close coming. Well, Scott Feinberg did. <laughs> <We gotta> give, <laughs> give the dude props. 
Uh. Um, it, it, it is actually the lowest, the worst reviewed Oscar nominee um, that I think in history. It comes in at like 43 on Metacritic, and um, right after it is is uh, um, the Blind Side with like 54, and then the Reader with 58. So it's like Stephen Daldry has the two worst reviewed films. But after having seen him at that Q and A, I saw how um, how friendly and warm he was, and how. Yeah. Remember, yeah. he took over q and Aing for Pete Hammond. And don't yeah. forget, of all the movies we saw this year, that's the only one where we saw a standing ovation. Well, I'll tell you, I, I, it's funny that you say that. That I, you know, I did not realize in hindsight that The Blind Side was that poorly. That, that, that movie, for whatever reason, did not leave me, uh, other than the sort of the baby Huey quality of the main character, did not leave me uh, feeling all that distraught. I was much more pl- pleased and okay with that one than I was with Extremely Loud, that's for sure. But, uh well, anyway, let's uh, one one other uh, Mark Harris thing, and then I'll just throw it back into the air. But uh, he says Moneyball lives, even though it was had been more or less counted out. Uh, not not the film, but I think uh, Ben Miller. Anyway, it wound up with six nominations, which is uh, and tied with War Horse, and it's you know the tied for third most nominated movie of the year. Hugo being first, and Artist being second, with ten, and with Hugo having eleven. So mm-hmm. that's not too bad. For oh no, it's favorite. great. No, right. For your favorite movie, you and I were the two main champions of Moneyball. I remember Chris Tapley telling me on Twitter and, and Eric Childress saying, Screenplay and actor, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Never gonna get anything else. Screenplay and actor. <laughs> so I'm really happy to see that. But um but mm. when you say tied with Warhorse, it's sort of I sort of tune out right there because <laughs> It's like so. if if something is tied with what let's like how can we appreciate the nominations for one thing but then yeah. ignore yeah. the embarrassing nominations for the other you know right right um, but they just really liked movies that made them cry this year you know it's like almost every movie that's in there is there because it made people cry you know extremely loud Warhorse uh, the Help um, Descendants even Moneyball yeah, yeah. and I suppose The Artist, although I didn't really cry during that movie. But um, yeah, And Hugo. Yeah. Hugo made me cry both times I saw it. So that's funny. That's funny for an Oscar. It was one of the reasons I thought Dragon Tattoo might sneak in was because I thought that it was the one that was different from mm-hmm. all the others. Mm-hmm. But uh, And it would have made my Oscar right. year more fun, not as boring as it is um, not as boring as it's become. Okay. And, uh, what did um, you want to go by category by category? And just I suppose. Kind of not... <laughs> huh? what? I suppose. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Or right, just uh, you know, picture. Uh, we've already decided that there that I, I you know we we were most the world believes that extremely loud does not belong in the best picture race. And if there were five, what do you think the five were? If it was one of the, that old system of five, what would be the five? Well, before I think? tell you, I have to tell you that um, I made a huge mistake because when I was looking at this year, see what Ann Thompson does is so smart, and Steve Pond is they talk to Academy members. And yeah. they must have heard that Tree of Life was really popular. And I just ignored oh. that, and I looked at Oscar history. And I looked through the years between 2001 to 2008, which is yeah. when they they took this hideous process that they did today, and they applied it to those years. And they said they came up with a different set of nominees for every year. Well, I naturally assumed that if you looked back, you would be able to figure out which movies were most popular by looking at the Guild Awards. So. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I looked at the Guild Awards, which movies just missed, you know, like Adaptation and Almost Famous yeah. and those kind of movies. I, I assumed that those would be the nominees. So I applied that same theory to this year, and I came up yeah. with the two movies that were on the fringe would have been 
Moneyball and um, Dragon Tattoo. Well, Moneyball got in, but Dragon Tattoo didn't. The fact that it had a DGA, WGA, art directors, cinematographers, sound, it had all that stuff, and it didn't get a Best Picture. So it can't just be the guilds. It has to be that passionate support, that number one thing. That makes the difference this year. However, if there were five, it's pretty easy to call. It's... um, it's um, uh, um, the yeah, artist. Descendants. Yeah. Uh, probably Hugo, probably Midnight in Paris, and probably Moneyball. No? Um, the help would be in place of Moneyball, I think. Because, oh, I see. Because okay. of the actors branch, because they picked it as the, um, the ensemble. But I think it's between Moneyball and the help for that fifth slot. I used to think it was between Dragon Tattoo and the help, because Dragon Tattoo had the DGA. And they must really fucking hate Fincher, because going back through history, the DGA almost always predicts best picture, especially when you have nine slots, you know? Yeah. You have nine right. slots for best picture, and you're not going to honor the picture that the DGA nominated? That's, like, very yeah. anti their history. It's almost as bad as last year when Social Network didn't win. So, fine. Mm-hmm. Don't If you don't like the movie, don't nominate Fincher for the DGA, and don't nominate it for a WGA, you know? Right. Don't do the right. bait and switch. Don't waste my time, you know? <laughs> So, um, but yeah, I think those five, and if there were 10, it wouldn't be done the same way it was done this year. That's why we had such a great slate of 10 last year and a great slate the year before, you know, they don't, they didn't do it the same. It has to have this many number one votes because I tell you something, now that we know what their number one votes are, it's not a pretty picture. They need a different set of voting in order to make it a better lineup because this is really bad. This is bad. And it makes me wonder last year. Did you see that tweet? Go ahead. Uh, it makes me wonder about last year if they had applied this same um, process to last year's votes. I don't think we would have a lot of those nominees that we had. I think we would have had a, a more embarrassing set for sure. You just can't trust your emotions. You can't, you know. There's a guy named Jason Lincolns who uh, tweeted about uh, uh, an hour and a half ago, hour ago. Quote, I really want the names of everyone who put extremely loud and incredibly close on their ballot for best picture. Who wrote that? A guy named Jason Lincolns. It's just got a lot of, a lot of, I saw it as soon as I got out of the screen this morning. And it's the first laugh out loud uh, remark that I. <laughs> well, I think know. that there are people are surprised that Drive wasn't on there because Drive seemed like it was headed for that because it, it got all those BAFTA nominations. So I think. I think it's anything that radiates cold, clinical, and heartless always has a problem. And Nick, um, um, Nicholas um, Winding Refn has this kind of Scandinavian chilliness to him. Uh, and I think that the the use of uh, of blades and knives to sever arteries just something that is, that just settled in in a. I don't think people wanted to get too close to it, and they kind of uh, found it on some level chilly and repellent, right. despite the full but, vibe of it. You know, right? But best picture isn't supposed to be best emotionally satisfying, conventionally safe movie yeah. made for under $30 million. I mean, it's not supposed to be that. It's supposed to be best picture. Can can we have some people who judge movies in a different way, please? Do we have to yeah. always have the same, oh, it made me cry. It must be the best movie. I don't need the Academy <laughs> for that. I, I got the people's choice, you know? We don't need the Academy yeah. for that. They're supposed to honor, they say that they honor the greatest achievements in film. Well, guess what? They did mm-hmm. not do that today. They really didn't. Yeah. I'm sorry, but they didn't. 
I'm not going to single out any movies. I'm just going to say that the Academy failed its audience mm-hmm. and its public today. Although I'm, I think the Tree of Life thing is pretty damn cool. I have to say. Yeah, it's great. I mean, to see you know, Terrence Malick's name in there and Best Picture, I think that's a, that's. I feel pretty good about that. I think most people should feel pretty good about that. And. Yeah. Uh, you know, the best actor, I think that we've already talked about this. There's nothing really. I thought it was especially uh, cheering, uh, apart from Dean, <clears throat> this year that Gary Oldman made it in. Uh, you feel the same way, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, do you? What do you think is going to happen? Uh, when, it's not going to be Jean Dujardin, do you think? Or, do, or is it? I think it might be. Uh, I think it might be Jean Dujardin. Win? I do. I think he's going to win. I think. I mean, the only all other. The, all the Clooney stuff that we've been seeing, all his wins, all that personableness that he's so great at all that stuff is going to fall by the wayside because of Jean Dujardin's grin and his dance steps and that charm and the dog and everything else. It's, I, I just have a hard time understanding well, how people would be willing to go do that. Um, Alec Baldwin tweeted the other day, yeah. Jean Dujardin should win every award that the, there is. You know, um, I think that the reason that the artist succeeds is because of Jean Dujardin. I don't think that without him, you would have such a good movie. The whole movie is on him. And that's pretty impressive. Uh That's like Adrian Brody in the pianist time. I mean, that's like one actor carrying a whole film. So I think Clooney is amazing in the descendants and I would love to see him win, but I think that you get the feeling with Clooney that he's kind of (laughs) won already in life. I mean, dude's like the hottest guy on the block. He's got like, you know, a new gorgeous girlfriend every week. He has like a huge house in Rome. He's directed a movie stuff. You know, I don't think that the Academy is, is going to just up and give him an award. I mean, I think it's going to be a lot of work and he might, eventually get it and it might be the descendants one big win so a movie that's really popular just for the record record, george clooney's uh, home in italy is on lake como right yeah not rome oh did i say it would be nice if you had one in rome also oh i didn't know i said (laughs) rome i thought i just said italy i'm a little tired i haven't slept in two days Um, so, actress, uh, um, I'd like. To, I think you should get some credit for stirring up, at least stirring the pot for uh, Rooney Mara's sake. And and, and I, I think that uh, that you were right on there. And you, I, I don't think you listened to any odds. You just went for it. And I really admire that in a in a voice in the conversation. So I think that's uh, that's something you should feel I take pretty a, good about. I'm going to take credit for margin calls, screenplay nomination for. Uh, <laughs> Dragon Tattoo, and I'm going to, tr- except for, unfortunately, Trent Reznor didn't get nominated for score, and that is, to yeah. me, the the biggest snub, the most unforgivable snub so far. That's- I also think that if we're talking score, I really have never, I've really felt so much uh, a passion for uh, scores. I did Michael Dana's score for Moneyball, Moneyball, which was so subtle and delicate, and and as, uh, as, uh, as Jonah Hill said to me during our interview, it's like that score is watching the movie with you. John Williams is already in the room oh. telling you what to oh. do when you get there. You know, is there, I know. there's a difference. Two you know. John Williams scores in one year? Really? Two? You couldn't make room for Trent Reznor? <laughs> you couldn't make room yeah. for Moneyball? You got to just give it to John Williams twice? Right. Give me a break, yeah. you know? I mean, that was like the stupidest thing I've ever seen them do. Yet another stupid thing for Tintin, of all things, you know? Mm-hmm. Step aside, people. Yeah. I, if I were John Williams, I would take my name out of consideration. I would just say, stop nominating me. 
enough is enough. I don't need any more awards. I don't need any more acclaim. I'm done. I, if I were Meryl Streep, I would do exactly the same thing. I would say, enough. Take me out. Let me just act to act. I don't need to win any prizes. Let other people have a turn, you know. Not that she's always won, because she hasn't, but I'm just saying, you know, yeah. at some point I, it becomes it's ridiculous. It's a pretty noble and fascinating thing for you to suggest, and I think anybody, any actor that would do that, I would, I would be amazed. But uh, she also feels uh, probably a little vulnerable because of uh, she's gotten older and she wants to have the power that is rarely afforded an actress in her early 60s. Oh. And, you know, it's always a dicey thing. You feel like you're not uh, as, 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 as wanted, as desired as, as you were when you were younger. Oh. And so I, I don't think uh, that's uh, likely. But, but that would honey, be amazing. I know, but honey, has nobody has more wanted or desired or appreciated or loved than Meryl Streep. No actress. She's yeah. got her pretty much her pick of whatever part she wants for any woman right. at that age. She's number one. She is it. Winning right. an Oscar is not going to change anything. All it's going to do is give her fans a chance to celebrate her. It doesn't change who she is. It doesn't change her status in the industry. She is Meryl Streep. She'll always be Meryl Streep. She'll always yeah. hold the record for the most nominations. It's not. Think of the difference between her winning and, and Viola Davis winning. It's like the right. difference between Demi and Bashir winning and George Clooney winning. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a huge difference. Yeah. So yeah. I'm all for but, that. But that's who I talked to last night, by the way. Who? At a party. I talked to Maddie Libatique, the guy who shot uh, um, Black Swan. Mm. And he was telling me about Noah and about how they're going to, uh, what that, uh, what the script is like. And they're going to start shooting in July in New York and Iceland. And um, he says it's really a good script. And um, they're really doing the story of Noah. <laughs> Very un unlikely subject, you might think, for a cutting edge fellow. Like uh, Darren Aronofsky, but that's what they're doing, and it's going to be a, a more likely a fall uh, 2013 release. So. And, and who's starring in it? Uh, that's the hang-up right now. They haven't cast Noah yet. Oh, okay. but it's got to be a guy in his 40s. It's not going to be young. It's going to be like 40s. So, and oh, oh yeah, and there's a big uh, a villain part. Got to have a villain in the story of Noah. Someone who's saying, "Listen, don't listen to him. We're fine. We don't need to build any ark. We're, we're you know." You know, don't be so alarmist. Don't be so fundamentalist. You know, one of those guys. So, <laughs> so it sounds like a lot of fun, actually. I changed my mind about Noah when I talked to him. Anyway, getting back to the, the thing. Uh, cinematography, there's supposed to be some sort of Lubezki curse. He never wins. Do you buy into that? Do you think it's going to be, you know, uh, some kind of compensation award to Janusz Kaminski for War Horse. Do you think it's uh, Dragon Tattoo, Jeff Cronenberg? What do you think is going to happen there, maybe? For cinematography? I think the artist yeah. is going to win. Oh, okay. Sorry, but <laughs> it's like right. the artist is probably going to... It's going to be Hugo or the artist for cinematography, for yeah. sure, yeah. And for no, i got to say that this is the thing about the artist. Uh, one thing that, that uh, struck me is that the, my, my first reaction when I started watching it in Cannes last night was that it, it's simulating uh, kind of a, an approximation of what 1920s cinematography was, what those films look like. But it doesn't really uh, uh, approximate it. They aren't shot. It isn't shot the way those films were shot. And it would be wonderful if it were, if it really felt as if it was shot in the 19, uh, late 1920s. But it feels like somebody who is... Uh, fairly conversant with the, with with cutting styles and and, and angles and and uh, the type of cinematography that we consider conventional, uh, but just happened to shoot it in black and white and put it in a movie like The Artist. It didn't feel like it really came from the twenties. The whole movie is uh, is is really kind of a 
more more of a singing in the rain and 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 sunset boulevard and all these odd uh you know it doesn't feel like the 20s i'm just mm. blabbering yeah. on but it, and yeah. i don't feel that that's for cinematography is really 1920 cinematography so it doesn't really it kind of cheats it doesn't really right. deliver, you know well they, they pretty much vote for what they like and and what's pretty and they, they're gonna vote for what's the prettiest remember when slumdog millionaire won cinematography and it was like yeah. that was the movie they loved and there was some other movie it was up against that was a little more right. deserving and didn't win yeah. so it's not always about the cinematography most of the time it's just about the movie they love you know it's cinematography right. uh art direction costume score it's going to win all those artists probably yeah. it, the, it's only competition is hugo which is going to fight it for every prize all the way down the line mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. if it's if it turns out to be they love the artist and they appreciate hugo but they don't love it enough to give it awards they'll go like sound Hugo, sound yeah. editing, Hugo, uh-huh. visual effects, Hugo, you know, um, they won't, they won't, um, give it any of the yeah. major prizes. They might go cinematography, they might go editing, but director, actor, maybe, and picture is going to go artist. Right. Artist right. way. We can't lull ourselves into thinking it's going to be any different, Jeff. We just can't. Now, um, did not uh, did Kristen Wiig not win for uh, a nomination for uh, screenplay? I'm trying to. Yeah, uh, she uh, did. Yeah, yeah, for Bridesmaids. Yeah, that was lovely, and that was lovely, and I loved. This. I love that Melissa McCarthy was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Um, I uh, I really did have this reaction during the Globes, which is that I uh, I uh, I really felt that she's. Um, She's got to somehow rein it in and and be uh, uh, just a good-looking, funny, witty, sharp as attack uh, woman of weight, but not be um, uh, morbidly obese. She's really, really getting in that territory. <laughs> At least that was my impression. Who? And I, Melissa McCarthy. Huh? Well, I just saw a picture of her going to Pilates. So I mean, she's exercising. Okay, good. All right, she's she understands. Okay, fine. Let's just drop that. I didn't want to make a big thing about it, but I, but I did have that thought when I saw her in the Golden Globe. So, uh, well, you know, she was all... dressed in a terrible dress for that, and and I think they that she's learned. Like when I saw her at the Producers Guild, she was wearing a better outfit. Okay. Um, I've I've yeah. you know I watched her on um, Gilmore Girls, and she actually had dropped quite a bit of weight for that. And she, okay. you know, so I think like every woman, her weight goes up and down and she fights yeah. it just like everybody else. You know, I don't think it's she's the every day of your life. I know. Yeah. So. Well, um, okay. So what, what were the big, so I get that, that we've covered the big shockers. So your, your summary, as we come to the end of this would be, uh, you could say it again, but basically, um, you know, the, the Academy lets the motion picture movie going movie loving public down by not really nominating in many instances the uh, the the best that was out there and we're going with their emotional default choices which has been the history of the oscars all through the the decades so but nothing made, new that's what happened except made even worse because this time we really get to see what their passionate choices were i mean i think in the past yeah. you saw more sort of like generally accepting that these were the great movies but now you're seeing i loved this movie you know and and yeah. that's not a pretty picture to see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay, fine. You know, the really, that's what you want. You want more of those kind of movies, Hollywood, because that's what you're going to get. You know, you're going to get more of these like 
sappy emotionally you know and, and who are we to say i mean we're not the ones who buy tickets we get to see movies for free you know maybe the public really needs this sort of thing you know maybe they want uh, they want redemption they want crying they want you know all that stuff um, i got a tweet from my advertising guy i won't name him but he tweeted me this morning we just lost four thousand dollars for what because, because of albert brooks being um Oh, yeah, right, God. right. Yeah. Now I know. I lost it, too. <laughs> that was a depressing email to get. <laughs> Sorry, we're not. <laughs> that was so such a bummer. I thought at least Albert Brooks would get in. I, I'm really mystified as to how he didn't. Although when people were going on and on about Albert Brooks, my first thought was always it's too small of a part. You know, it's not a juicy enough part. It's a t it's almost like a cameo, you know. He's got a few good scenes, but he doesn't. It's not like a, a leading role the way that most supporting actor roles are now, you know. Well, add, add up in my week with Marilyn what Kenneth Branagh really delivers. He delivers a a kind of a testy, uh, amusingly testy, but peevish uh, Lawrence Olivier who doesn't really seem to have any empathy or, or he's, he has no very little patience, of course, for Marilyn Monroe's uh, uh, peculiarities. But where does he really go on the part? I mean, he doesn't really do anything. He just kind of stays in that one spot. It's sort of the way um, Nick Nolte does in Warrior. He just keeps asking for forgiveness and let me be the guy that I'd like to be. And I, I made some mistakes. Uh, Jonah Hill has the interesting, uh, you know, modulations and then the arc, if you will. And so does, uh, I guess, Chris, obviously Chris Plummer and Beginners. But I, I don't, for the life of me, understand how they could have done that with my, with it. They basically blew off. Albert Brooks for Max von Sydow, I think, is what happened. Um, well, one of the funniest things to do is to watch um, uh, watch My Week with Marilyn and then watch Princess and the Showgirl. And it's yeah. so funny because Branagh's um, Lawrence Olivier is so hilarious. <laughs> He's such an uptight prick, you know. And then you yeah. watch uh, Princess and the Showgirl and you see him, like, with his pursed lips... <laughs> the whole time through the whole movie looking just so crabby and unhappy and and then you think about him and i mean it was funny to watch for me i thought that i would never complain about kenneth Branagh, and i thought he was great yeah. um but i also think that he's kenneth Branagh, and that's yeah. a lot of the reason why he's getting in there is because it's oh. just like they get these contenders get into a groove and they just sort of ride that groove all the way to the end you know some right. of them do. Some of them are off the groove. Like, uh, clearly, Albert Brooks was somebody who no one saw that coming. They thought, at the very least, he's Jim Brooks' cousin or brother or whatever he is, and he's mm -hmm. in the club. And, you know, he should have won for broadcast news, and he didn't. And so he had another chance. And they just didn't like Drive. They just did not like it, you know. His, his tweet this morning, Albert's tweet was, and this to the Academy, you, you don't like me. You really, <laughs> really don't like me. <laughs> Well, that's a yeah. That's a send up of Sally yeah, Field, of course. Sally Field. I mean, on some level, they they think he's too smart, or he's too, you know, too much of a brilliant acerbic wit. Uh, something. I don't know what it is. Well, it's know. really depressing to come to find how much of a boys' club, how much of an insiders' club the Oscars really are. And I think that that there are certain times where you sort of get lulled out of that, and you forget who runs it, and who's he's, in charge, and who leads the way. And you're not going to get a Weinstein contender to be bumped. It's just never going to happen. Harvey Weinstein is never going to let that happen. That's the one thing about him is, you know, this morning all the Oscar nominee reactions came in. The first ones that came into my inbox were all Weinstein people. It's like they are so on it. Right. You know, they do live Q&As. They don't leave a stone unturned. They're incredibly good at what they do. 
And I think that right. um, the drive people were good too, but you can't force them to like a movie that they don't like. There's just nothing you can do about that. So, and, and coupled with the yeah. fact that, as you said, he's not a likable character. You know, yeah. he's mean. Yeah. He kills. He kills Breaking Bad guy. I mean, <laughs> he kills Brian yeah. Cranston. You know, and you know they all watch Breaking Bad, so they probably can't stand him that weird, <laughs> creepy way he kills them with that razor blade and everything. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just don't, I think there are some villains who are lovable and some who aren't. And, and maybe if he'd had one scene where he cried, he'd probably get nominated. But um, I, I think I firmly believe that it's not about quality at all with the Oscars. It's just about popularity, timing, publicity, mm-hmm. who, you know, it's right. just like Hollywood. Right. So it's, it's dangerous yeah. to start to think that a performance is less so or more so because right. of its Oscar nomination. Right. It doesn't change. It is what it is. Drive is Drive is one of the best films of 2011. Most people would agree that it is. You know, it's certainly going to be remembered and, and ricochet Absolutely. around and, and be watched over and over again and be talked about more than most of what we're talking about here. Right. So, Absolutely. Just, it happens to be one of those films that has connected with the uh, certainly with the under 40 public uh, big time. So, right. Know. And so people will make the mistake of thinking. Oh, you know, can no movies. I mean, even though Tree of Life started in Cannes, so did The Artist, and so did Drive. But they'll say, oh, Drive, yeah. you know, it, it, it hit so big in Cannes, and then it petered out by the Academy. But that is not and should never be considered a mark of its success or not. I mean, it is it is what it is regardless of what they think it is. That's what we have to remember. It's sort of like yeah. separating from what your parents think of you. You can't live your life yeah. as, as who your parents see you as. You know, mm-hmm. that would be a horrible way to go through life unless you happen to have great parents. And that's what the Oscars are like. You can't judge these movies or these directors or these actors on what the Academy thinks of them because it's too disappointing to think of it that way. It's too limiting. Right? Yeah, sure. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is, uh, this is fun, Sasha. I'm glad we uh, had a chance to, to chat. And um, maybe we can get up later i'm i'm way behind as usual this is the story of sundance you know because we did this i wasn't able to redo my little short review of the surrogate and now i've got four films more to go i don't know how i'm gonna you know keep up but it's it's kind of fun in a way so yeah it's i'm sure it is you love to really hello are you there i know how i'm here i was just gonna say i know how much you love to be busy yeah so it's probably a nice thing to be busy um Um, so I guess the next time we talk will be in Santa Barbara, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'm going to be in um, not until Friday night. You are going to be there with Emma for the first weekend, right? Uh-huh. And I'm just wondering, um, are we still going to do our um, our Oscar uh, panel? I asked Roger about that. He said he wanted to think about it. I think that means he didn't want to do it again. Really? Oh, well, that's like thinking about something. Uh, whenever you say, uh, you know, you get down on your knees and you offer, pull out the ring and say, will you marry me? And she says, I got to think about that. Now, <laughs> you're probably not going to get married to that person. <laughs> so, you know, well, why do you think he wouldn't want to do it? Do we just bomb out so badly? What they do is they want to think about how to say no. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, was it that bad of a, of a thing when we did it? We did the usual blah, blah. It didn't seem any problem to me, but they, you know, Roger uh, would have uh, probably said, uh, let's do it, you know, uh, by now. Yeah, and I think he would have. not that much skin off my, my backside, so I'm okay. I think it was hard for her to set up, for the Carol to set up that, that thing. I think it was a big yeah. hassle for her, and she's so busy with other things, you know, and not many people showed up, and, you know. Yeah, right. So, that's yeah, fine. That's all right. 
Yeah. At any rate, I will talk to you up there. We'll do a, a quickie podcast. Okay. And... All right. Be well. All we'll right. You too. And be safe. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye. You too. Bye. You've been listening to Oscar Poker with Jeffrey Wells from HollywoodElsewhere.com and Sasha Stone from AwardsDaily.com. We will be back next week with another episode from Santa Barbara. And the um, bumper music today was Heads Will Roll by the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. And by the Rolling Stones, you can't always get what you want. Thanks for listening.
glass was a bleeding man. She was proud. 